privileged and excited to be able to uh, listen today from one of my elders and, and mentors and fathers in the faith, uh, Pastor Rick Bennett, as he's already been introduced. But I just wanted you to know that um, whatever he says, I believe wholeheartedly in what God has to say to us through him. And he's got a, heart, a, a word that the Lord's put on his heart for our church, which means that's for you and it's for all of us. And so help me welcome our good friend and brother in Christ, Rick Bennett. Good morning, everybody. Hallelujah. I'm getting fancy now. I'm using a iPad as long as it works, right? Hallelujah. God's good. Well, my shirt is soaking wet. I'm in the south. I'm in humidity. And uh, I bring you desert, Arizona desert greetings in the name of the Lord. My wife is back there. Did you find the keys, baby? All right. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, we just had another grandbaby, uh, our fourth grandbaby. Ten pounds, three ounces. Yeah. He was ready to come out of the oven. Amen. And, uh, hallelujah. How many know God's already spoken today? Amen. He's spoken mightily. I was honored to be able to be here with the kickoff of New Life, right? A year ago, was I? Yeah, with the kickoff of the, of the new name of the church and, and all of that. And uh, I'm just excited about what's going on. And I'm telling you, even what we've tasted today and in other services, you might say, hey, that was off the hook. That was glorious. That was whatever you want to describe it. The bottom line is we haven't scratched the surface of what God wants to do. We really have not and what God wants to do. And I want to encourage you with that today if I could. There's a phrase that Peter used in his epistles. He said this several times. He said, I want to stir you up by way of reminder. I mean, sometimes we get reminded of something, and it's either going to be like, I've heard that before, and we roll our eyes, or we let it stir us up. Amen? So would you let it stir you up today And what God wants to do? Go with me, if you would, this morning. I'm going to try to go quickly, get through this, because I want to release some things prophetically before we break for lunch today. I am aware there's tables back there staring at me. I don't smell the food. It'll be here, right? First Peter chapter 2. Well, see, why did I bring up food? That's a no-no for a pastor. When you get ready to preach, you don't bring up food, right? First Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Coming to him, speaking of, the G, of Jesus, as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones, say that's me, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. How many of you are glad today that we didn't have to bring animals in here to get into God's presence? We have to slay a bunch of animals and slay, have a bunch of blood all over the place in here to come approach God. But there is a sacrifice we bring. Amen? It's a sacrifice of praise. It's in our giving. It's in our serving. Amen? That's a sacrifice that's acceptable and pleasing to the Lord. We're living stones being fitted together, and the house that is formed is a spiritual house. Everybody say spiritual house. Very important. Again, remember Jacob's dream. I shared this with you last time I was here, I believe. Jacob had a dream, and when he woke up, he said, God was in this place, and I did not even know it. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. If you'll remember, Jacob was laying on a piece of ground outside with his head on a rock. He wasn't in a building. So the house, even from the first revelation of the house of God, it's never been about brick and mortar. Amen? And so we understand that today. So I want to stir you up today. And I want to tell you, everybody look at me. How awesome is this place? 
Amen. Now, is this very awesome when we all leave? Not really. It's an old building built about the time I was born. Reminds me of schools. I went to school as elementary schools. And it's not about the building. Amen. When you leave, this is no longer the house of God. But while you're here, this is the house of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now go with me, if you would, this morning to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, beginning with verse number 19. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us, everybody say us, draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us, everybody say us, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Look at somebody and say that. He who promised is faithful. Hallelujah. Some of you didn't even look away. Do it again. He who promised is faithful. And let us, there it is again, us, consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and what's the next three words and all the more as you see the day drawing near I got a news flash for everybody we're closer to the day of the Lord than anybody that's ever lived on the planet you don't have to be deep or theological or have gone to seminary to figure that out. We are closer to the coming of the Lord than any generation that has ever lived. And he said, all the more we should be committed. But it's not just so we can say we were faithful to go to meetings. But it's an understanding of what we are when we come together as living stones being fitted together to make this holy house unto God a royal priesthood that ministers unto the Lord. And I want to pray for you today to get a revelation of that and what God wants to do. Everybody say, all the more. Amen. And a lot of times why a lot of people don't necessarily find it very uh, worthwhile, they don't consider it worth making such a commitment to assemble together all the time because they've not understood the value of why we gather together. Amen. It's very important. So I hope today that some of the things I'm going to share with you are going to be things you already know. But again, let it refresh you. And let it remind you. You know, there's a computer term. If you have a page up, like a, a, a news page or something, and you've left it up all day, how many of you know, if you want current news, you have to hit refresh. Everybody say refresh. There's times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. We just need sometimes to get, and I looked up a definition of it in a, of the computer lingo, and it means to come back to real time. I mean, you know, we need to come back to the truth. We need to come back to real time in God. Everybody say, refresh. Hallelujah. Now, we know Jesus is our great high priest. And notice this. He is Lord over the house of God. So who's the Lord of this house? Jesus. Amen. And he's our great high priest. Now, the church is also called in the scriptures, in the prophetic scriptures, as a lampstand. Now, Jesus said this. He said, no one lights a lamp and then sticks it in a closet or under a bushel. You would think, what's wrong with that guy? Why did he just turn that light on and then stick it in a closet? But you light it and you place it on a lampstand and it gives light to all in the house. 
a lampstand that God gives the local church is its influence so that it can shine and have influence in a community, a city, a nation, and even the nations of the world. And interestingly, to some churches, the Lord wrote that if you don't get back to what I called you to do, you'll lose your lampstand. In other words, you'll lose your influence. How many of you want New Life to have influence in the community of Jackson and its surrounding area? Do you want that? Then we have to understand the purpose. I know uh, uh, Pastor Jeremy and I have used these words, and I hear other guys do too, but it's good. We need to live as a church on purpose. Amen? On mission and what God has called us to be. Anybody want to have an influence? But you know what? You can have an influence where you work and where you go to school and where you live. Amen? You can shine and have influence. God gives us all a lampstand. It's your sphere of influence. Here's the thing. You can lose your sphere of influence. And I believe God's in the time of restoring us because he said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a city set upon a hill which cannot be hidden. Amen? Now we know the source of the light, the source of the salt, the source of the wisdom, the source of the power, the source of the love is obviously God in us. Amen? But he makes it clear that we are to be his lamp, so to speak. Are y'all with me? And that could be your gifting, your calling, but wherever God has placed you in this world. And as I was meditating and the Lord began to speak to me and I talked to uh, Pastor Jeremy about some things that were going to be coming up this weekend. And the Lord just kept telling me to just to remind you today and refresh you about some of the attributes of God's house. And I want to give you seven of them today. And um, you can write them down if you want or whatever. But if we're going to shine effectively, we need these attributes. The first one is this. God's house is God's family. Would you, would, you admit, would you admit that? We call it his household, the household of faith. It's God's family. We're to be connected in community to one another. We're to be a house of love. We're to be a house of serving, a house of commitment to one another. Come on, somebody amen me. So what we're to be. Ephesians says this, though. Ephesians says, Jesus filling all of us in all of us. Nobody gets left out of the infilling of the Lord. Amen? Here's the thing. We can't express and do the will of Jesus, our head, by ourselves. We're a body, the body of Christ. Paul goes to great lengths to talk about how any particular body part cannot function with any power or functionality separate by itself. You can take a perfectly good finger on my hand and cut off that perfectly good finger and lay it on that table. It cannot function. I know you're like going, wow, this guy's so wise. But we've got many believers that think they can function without the church. You know that's true. It's one of the biggest things the enemy will do. He'll lie to you about the fact whether or not you're saved. And try to get you in condemnation. And then he'll lie to you. You don't need that stinking church. Well, I got news for you. We've got to be connected because that's where the power is. Amen? That's where the love flows. That's where the power flows. And to do the things of God. Amen? Be connected to his body because this is your spiritual family. That's the first attribute. The second attribute. The house of God is the gate of heaven. It's where heaven touches earth. Jesus is our high priest what is Jesus also called? The King of Glory. The glory of God. The King of Glory is here today. The King of Glory is here today. Amen? Hallelujah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, that the King of Glory may come in. Hallelujah. The glory is the weightiness of God. 
the manifestation of the presence of God, the supernatural. And the Bible says clearly, the glory of the latter house will be what? Greater than that of the former house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as the gate of heaven, we're able to see the kingdom come. Not just pray it out of religious rote. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it, but actually say thy kingdom come, thy will be done here today. He's doing things today. It's the power and authority and love of God flowing in here today. It's the kingdom of Almighty God, and the kingdom is within you. Amen? Hallelujah. The third attribute of the house of God is the house of God is a house of prayer. It's through the prayer of the royal priesthood of God. Now, if you have a uh, Catholic Episcopalian background, you may think of priest immediately. You think of a robe and a collar and this guy in the church that does that, what we would call the pastor. But the priesthood of God is the believers. We're all called to be a part of this royal priesthood of Almighty God. Amen? Did you? Some of you are looking at me like, I'm a priest? Yep. You may not be functioning as one, but you are one. You be one. Amen? Are you all out there today? It is through the ministry of the royal priesthood that we're able to not only minister to one another, but we're able to stand in agreement. Everybody say agreement. Lift up holy hands and pray for our cities, our communities, our nations, and even the nations of the world as the house of prayer. You know, when Jesus went into the temple and there was money changing going on, you remember? And he didn't like it. He went in and he, he turned over tables and he drove them out. And then he made this declaration. He was quoting from the book of the prophet Isaiah. He said, my house, my father's house shall be called what? Y'all know the verse. A house of prayer for all the nations. You have made it a robber's den. But God's intention that it would be a house of prayer. Amen? So that's another attribute of God's house, to be a house of prayer. The fourth attribute, the house of God, get this, is the house of his presence and his praise and the reason I say that together is you can't disconnect them because he inhabits what did you know he doesn't inhabit good hard work he doesn't inhabit that the setup team did a wonderful job hello he inhabits praise he's enthroned upon the praises of his people are y'all getting this so, should the house of God be a house of His presence? Absolutely, if it's a house of praise unto the Lord. Amen? The main spiritual sacrifice we offer is the sacrifice of praise. We know the verse in Hebrews says, Through Jesus, let us offer up continually, continually, the sacrifice of praise. And then, the writer of Hebrews defines what it meant. The fruit of your lips giving thanks unto His name. Somebody give him praise right now. It's the fruit of your lips, not the worship leader's lips, but your lips giving thanks unto his name. After the raising up of the man at the gate, beautiful in Acts chapter 3, Peter begins to preach. Anytime there was a miracle, thousands gathered, he preached. And thousands got saved. God was using the signs and wonders to truly point to God, and Peter would always preach the gospel. At the end of this one message, he says this. When he's explaining Jesus to them, he said, repent and return. Everybody say that. Repent and return. To repent is not just to say, oh, Lord, forgive me. It's to say, Lord, I've made a decision. I'm going another direction. Amen? I'm going to get back 
to where you have ordained me to walk. And we need, as the people of God, to, there's times, how many know, you did that to get saved, but how many know, we, we need to live a life of repent and return nearly every day of our lives. As the Lord puts His finger on things in our lives, we're saying the Lord's calling us back to what He initially has stated. These, these very attributes even, sometimes we need to repent and return. But here's the promise. Your sins are wiped away, which just means the error of your way is forgiven. How many of you glad for that? Come on, two of you. How many of you glad for that? Hallelujah. But there's more. Say there's more. And times, plural, times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Guys, if we don't have the presence, we're no different than the Lions Club and the Moose Lodge guys. The only thing that sets the church of Jesus Christ apart is the presence of Jesus Christ. Are y'all with me? The only thing that sets us apart from the other religions of the world and even the cults is the presence of God. We must be a house of praise and welcome Him in. Are y'all with me today? The psalmist said, well, well, even uh, Paul said, writing to the Ephesians, he said, you need to understand the will of the Lord. And don't be drunk with wine, for that's dissipation but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and in spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. You know, when you're worshiping the Lord, you're ministering to other people. Hello? You're releasing the Word of God to other people, and the presence of God is coming in upon the praises. It's one of the easiest ways to get filled with the Spirit is open your mouth and sing. Amen? How many of you know sometimes when you're having a hard time and you need God so much and you're so dry, the hardest thing to do is to make yourself sing because you would rather just be depressed and talk about how depressed you are and talk about how oppressed you are. And instead of magnifying the Lord, we're magnifying the enemy. Hello? What did the psalmist say? Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Everybody say together. Hallelujah. I love that attribute, but I'm a worship leader, so. I was a worship leader long before I was a church leader. We enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving in our hearts and enter into his courts with praise. The prophet said this, God's spiritual house. It said, its gates are praise and its walls are salvation. Isn't that cool? Think about it. The entryway is praise. The breakthrough is praise. We've got to be a house of praise. And that doesn't mean we just do contemporary music. But it's anointed because the people of God are connecting with heaven from their heart. Amen? Everybody there? The walls are salvation. Attribute number five. There's only seven of these, so relax. The house of salvation. Everybody say salvation. Salvation. Salvation is not merely where you go when you die. Though that's important, would you agree? But salvation changes your life. It's to be born again. It's forgiveness, but it's also freedom. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it begins now, not just in heaven. Are y'all with me? New life begins now. Are you with me, New Life Church? It begins now. Salvation also carries within its meaning of the word saved. Sozo means also to be healed. It's part of your healing. It's part of your whole process of what God would do. Let me put it to you this way. Living stones that make up this wall of God around the church, the living stones is you and me. 
The living stones are saved people. Amen? It's the redeemed of the Lord. So the house of God is not just some religious institution that people have gone to all their life. It is marked by the fact that the walls, the structure that hold this house together is the moving of God in salvation on the hearts of men and women and children. Amen? That is, that attribute's got to be there or it can't stand. It'll just be a move of God and we'll go by and we'll drive by and say, what a beautiful building. Of course, nobody's in it anymore. Some of those beautiful buildings in Memphis, my hometown, are like, uh, like some of you know, y'all over the years, y'all probably you've been down, like go down into Midtown, like on Union Avenue, and you got Idlewild Presbyterian. You got some of these old buildings, they're just like gorgeous. But it's an edifice of a past move of God. There's nobody in them hardly anymore. And it's sad. And I'm not, I'm not picking on them, but I'm saying that can be duplicated over and over because the walls are salvation. It's not brick and mortar. Amen? Hallelujah. Number six, the house of God is prophetic. Now, I have to determine what I mean by that because a lot of times if you'll talk about they're having a prophetic meeting or prophetic teaching, you know what people will do? They'll immediately think it's going to be a seminar on when Jesus is returning. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the spirit of prophecy that's loosed in the house of God. I believe from the scripture, we're told to do this. We're to not quench the spirit and despise not the prophetic gifts of God. That's what we're told in scripture. The prophetic gifts orally spoken are prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Okay? And if it's a tongue that's a message, it needs to be interpreted. But those are the prophetic gifts, that for, the foreknowledge of God that speaks into the hearts of men. Those words can be spoken, but they also can be sung over you. Right? Y'all, y'all still there? There's other prophetic gifts, though, and it's dreams and visions. Because many, many times when the word of the Lord comes, the Lord wants to open your heart to see it. The prophets in the Old Testament said over and over, the word of the Lord came to me and I saw. The word of the Lord came to me and I saw. The word of the Lord came to me. It's all through the Old Testament. So when the prophets would get a word from God, it's to open your eyes to see something. Because if you don't have a vision, you perish, right? But when you have a vision, but the vision is imparted through the prophetic. So the house of God is to be prophetic. So Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and says, this is what Joel prophesied. This is it. That in the last days I'll pour forth of my spirit. Your sons and your daughters, young and old, shall prophesy. Amen? And have dreams and visions. It was the very atmosphere of the church. This is an attribute we need to seek for. That all shall prophesy the word of the Lord. Amen? Sometimes it's a corporate word. Sometimes it's a personal word. Amen? But Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice. But is there a voice to be heard? Amen? In, in, the, in the churches in Revelation, in the book of Revelation, it says, that every one of them closed with this, this, this statement, let he who has ears hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. To the church. Everybody say to the church. The Lord is speaking the new life. And if it will become a part of the attribute of this house, it will be very common for the prophetic word of the Lord to be released into this house. Amen? It's important for you as the congregation and all the leadership to be synchronized with the Holy Spirit in that so that we can flow with God. Amen? Paul also made a reference. I want to say one other thing about this. There's a reference in Scripture, where I think in Corinthians, where Paul said, when all prophesy, that the secrets of men's hearts will be revealed. 
and they'll fall on their face and say, God is certainly among you. Now, I'll be honest with you. I used to think that meant like some guy that's got sin in his life gets exposed and he falls apart and falls on the ground. I found if you use prophecy in that way, they're usually going to find the exit door. Because now you've embarrassed him. And then the Lord began to show me as I began to study about prophecy, that's not at all what it's talking about. It's the secrets of your heart are those things that are deep. With, we were kind of going there a little bit in worship today because this has been on my heart so strong. That's why that came out of my worship time. But there are things in you and me, just as he said to Jeremiah, before you were conceived, I knew you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I had something for you. Amen? There's something in there. And the prophetic draws it out. Are y'all with me? You might go, how many of you ever gotten a word and it made you cry? You got almost emotional about it. You're like, well, I don't know why I got so upset. It's, because it's always been there. And the word of the Lord that thus saith the Lord to you, it drew out something you didn't even know was there. And, and See, God wrote a, God's got a book on you. He said, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Hallelujah. And he's wanting to make that known. Do we all agree? That attribute of prophecy needs to be a part of this house. Amen. And I know it is to a degree, but even all the more as the day of the Lord draws near. Amen. Hallelujah. The last one, to be a house of new life. Had to throw the church name in there somewhere, right? But what I mean by that is the house where people get saved. Amen. Of new birth. But I want you to add something to that in your notes. Because the church as a whole does a pretty good job of getting people saved. But we don't do a very good job of making disciples. And you can't disconnect. That'd be like saying, I had a wonderful delivery at the hospital. The baby came. Everything was great. They let us go home yesterday. How's the baby doing? Oh, I don't know. We put the baby in the living room, and we just been in another room because he's so noisy. And he sneaks a little bit, too. And we're all laughing because that's ridiculous, but it ain't so ridiculous when it comes to spiritual birth. Amen? When we become a house that not only wants to see new birth become a part of the house, new life, we want to equip people to live that new life. Amen? To walk in that new life. Hallelujah. That really fulfills the Great Commission because Jesus said, Go make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I commanded you. So without the equipping, we're not finishing the job. We're just birthing the baby. Y'all awake. Very important. We've got to get that. So this should be a place where the lost are saved. Do we agree? Say amen. This should be a place where prodigals can come home. Hallelujah. But also where prodigals can come home and begin to get equipped so they don't have to wander again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He didn't save us to sit down. And amen, the preacher. He saved us for much more than that. There's a verse in Matthew 12, 20 where it speaks of our Lord's ministry. It says, a battered reed he will not break off and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish until he brings justice to victory. Everybody say that. Justice. to See, you were justified on Calvary, right? But the victory is you start to walk in that by which you've been justified. It's like when a judge brings the gavel down and says, you're free to go. And if you just sat in front of the judge and cried and said, thank you, judge. It'd be like going back and getting in a jail cell. Yeah, I'm free, but I like it here. Justice to victory. And I'm telling you, there's a generation of battered reeds out there. And a lot of people, the enemy would lie to them and say they can't be restored. But Jesus doesn't break them off. 
Amen? He raises them up. Hallelujah. There's a lot of smoldering wicks. They used to burn bright at one time. But Jesus doesn't come around and extinguish them. He comes and he lights their fire again. Hallelujah. That's the heart of God. And it's not just the prodigals. Some of them are sitting in the house as battered reeds. It's sitting in the house as smoldering wicks. And that's not God's intention to leave us that way. I tell you guys, I've heard this word since we moved to plant the church in Arizona. We've been hearing this word prophetically. The prodigals are coming. America is full of prodigals. Y'all know that's true. Some of you have them in your own family. I mean, one time burning brightly and on fire for God. The prodigals are coming home. Here's the thing. We can't be like the older brother in the story. Remember him? He couldn't celebrate his brother's return, wouldn't celebrate his brother's return. Instead, judged him and condemned him. He himself wasn't living as a son, even though he didn't go out into the world and squander his inheritance, but he wasn't living as a son either. It's time for us to live as the children of God. Amen? He's a good, good father. Hallelujah. And he's worth giving your life for. To love and serve and know him. Amen? That's the heart of God to us today. These attributes divine, define our purpose. And here's what I hear the Lord saying. When a church functions on purpose, it will grow in influence and in number. If you read the book of Acts, they were growing in influence and they were growing in number. How many of you want that for new life? Wave at me. Do you want that for new life? Then I believe every one of these attributes have to be a part of it. There's others. If y'all want to sit around for a couple hours, or share them with me. No, I'm just kidding. These attributes define who we are. When we join and connect with one another, we can begin to shine and display the glory of God for the glorious church. And even when we're reaching out, let's be honest. When we reach out to people and we win people and we want to invite them to church, you know, the, the atmosphere in the church ought to be irresistible. Now I could ask most of you in this room today and you say you came from a good family or you might tell me I came from a dysfunctional family. We probably have all kinds of, and all things in between, right? Come on. I came from a really good family. I'm talking about natural things right now. Okay, in the natural. Had a really good family. And every my, any of my friends, I had some friends that just had a, they had a mess at their house. It was a mess. You know, it was, it was just constant strife and confusion. And they would like say, I just kind of want to stay here. You know? And then other people that are on the dysfunctional side, I just want to go there. Right? I just don't want to hang out here anymore. I don't like the stress. I don't like the dysfunction. You know? You know, the, the, the house of God, the family of God, there should be such power, such love, amen, such soundness of mind about the truth that people are drawn to it. They say, man, I just want to hang out there. When I first got saved, there wasn't enough church services to keep me happy. We, went to, we were at somebody's house almost every day of the week. It was like the book of Acts, chapter 2. But there was something there because it was irresistible. What if we sought God and said, Lord, make new life irresistible? Are y'all with me? Make new life irresistible in this place. You know, you drive, the, the, the setup team drives up, people are out front. When are we starting? Don't we need an early service? Y'all okay? Now let me show you something, going back to Jacob's dream. Go to Genesis 28 real quick. Genesis 28, 16. Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. How many of you made, that may be your statement you made today before we started worshiping. <laughs> He was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. But let's keep reading. So Jacob rose early in the morning and he took the stone that he put under his head. And he set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on its top. And he called the name of that place Bethel or Bethel. And how many know what that word means? The house of God. 
So he called the place the house of God. However, previously the name of the city had been called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, now get this. If God will be with me and keep me on the journey that I take and will give me food to eat, garments to wear, and I, everybody say, return to my father's house safely, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone which I've set up as a pillar will be God's house, and all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you. Everybody look at me. Don't buy it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't buy it. There's a lot of stuff out there. The tithe was not instituted by the law. Abraham tithe. Jacob tithe. He understood. This is where God's presence is. And I'm sanctifying a tenth of my income because it came from God anyway. And I'm consecrating that to God in the house of God. Beloved, this is way before there was any law saying you had to do it. And if you can get a revelation of it, it'll change the way you give. Because a, a lot of you out there, you're faithful tithers, but do you give with that revelation? What was he saying? I'm going to come to the house of God, and I'm going to go from the house of God. See, how I many know we need to go from this place, understanding we've been at this place. I mean, that'll change the way we go and the way we come. Are y'all getting that? He established that when there was nothing there but a revelation. There was something angelic going on there. It's like a portal, an opening. It's a pretty cool dream, isn't it? The angels of God. I'm not talking about fat little babies with harps. I'm talking about warring, majestic angels. Come on. Go on. <laughs> if you had those figurines in your house, you're forgiven. Going up and down this ladder from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven. God wants to connect with earth in houses of worship. You know what will happen when that happens? The supernatural is just going to naturally happen. If I could quote Sid Roth. Some of you know who I just said. In Hebrews 12, we need to know what we've come to. And in Hebrews 12, he describes what we've come to. And the, the Holy Spirit has just been giving this to me so strongly the last couple of years. I just want you to allow this today to sink in. First of all, he said we didn't come to Sinai, the place of the law. Even though there was glory there, there was a lot of fear and trembling there too. Are you with me? But we've come to what? Mount Zion. Listen to the description in Hebrews 10, 12, 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to this general assembly and church, say the church, of the firstborn who were enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. That's that cloud of witnesses that are already in heaven. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. I mean, if we just meditated on that and got a revelation of that, it would change our lives. That's what we connect with when we come before the house of the Lord. Are y'all with me? Did you know the blood still speaks? Did you know the blood still speaks? Did you know the blood still speaks? Andre Crouch penned a contemporary hymn many, many years ago now. The blood will never lose its power. Think about it. The blood still cries out. 
from the holy place. What does it say? Come with confidence into this place. Let's, don't, let's be expectant. I mean, sometimes Sunday morning is the hardest time to get people expectant. Because let's just be honest, we've become religious. Hello? But if we could come expectant, who knows what God would choose to do. Amen? And we, we need to live that way. Because if we don't live that way, let's be honest, we become a form of godliness. It's a form, but there's no power. And this is what God's called us to do. How many believe this is an awesome place? How many believe this is an awesome place here today? Hallelujah. It's the house of God. It's the gate of heaven. Paul prayed that we would have revelation. He said, I want you to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I want you to know the hope of your calling. I want you to know that the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. There's a negative lying spirit that tries to say the church, the church, the church, the church has hurt me. I hate the church. I don't want to go to the church. I love God, but I don't like the church. The problem with that is God's going to show his glory through the church. Ephesians 3 said he's going to fill all of us and be in all of us. And then in chapter 3 he says to show his glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So we can either quit, you know, get an attitude. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are here. But the bottom line is the church needs to become that irresistible something. <laughs> Amen. But we got to have a revelation of it. How many of you would allow God today, if I prayed for you, would you allow God today just to kind of remove? Because, you know, I, I was raised in church. Now, I didn't get saved until I was 20 years old, but I was raised in church. And I really struggled with trying to not transform a lot of my religious upbringing into my new life. And I had to learn a lot that what wasn't pathetic with God and what was cool. Some things were good. There were some traditions that were actually quite good. I mean, I had to learn that. But then begin to realize, you know what? If His presence isn't here, we've wasted our time. If something doesn't impact us for spiritual good, I mean, we've really, you know, in a sense, wasted our time. And I'm not trying to say if the service just didn't totally blow you away, it wasn't a good service. That's not what I'm meaning. But I am meaning if we come with an expectancy, but we need a greater revelation of what we've come to. Hallelujah, we've come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God. Hallelujah. This is the place of God's power. It's the place of His love. It's the place of His prophetic voice being spoken. I mean, that's who we are. It's, it's, it, the life I get is when I connect here in this body. That's where the life flows. And I believe with all of my heart what the Word says. The glorious church will be what He comes back for. Well, I got news for you. It ain't about buildings, obviously. And it's not about what we can do to try to put a formula in place to make it happen. It's about glory coming. You can't get glorious unless glory comes. And that's the way I'm in my life. And I've been ministering a long time now. And I know, to, to quote from, the, uh, from Tim Hughes, the British worship leader that penned it many years ago, there must be more than this. That's the way the song starts. There must be more than this. Spirit of God. I used to think, that's really kind of a downer way to start the, start the worship service. But how I many know it's that desperation that says, you know, that there's more. How I many believe there's more? Jesus said this. He said, you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. But how much more will your perfectly good, good, good heavenly father give the fullness of the Holy Spirit? To those who ask him. If I ask you in this room, most of you would probably tell me you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm learning. I know this upsets a lot of people's theological apple cart. I think there's a lot of baptisms in the Holy Spirit. 
I believe we can never get too much of Him. Amen? I mean, we ought to walk out of here saturated, pickled in the Holy Ghost. Are y'all with me? That's the way they were. Phil Vicker told me that word literally what we would call to pickle something. Baptizo. It literally means to be drenched through and through. The early church, the apostles would walk down the walkway. They said, well, we can't get in the building that there's so many people. But if you'll just get over there where their shadow is. I'm not preaching at y'all like y'all aren't doing it. I am. Though I cast a bigger shadow than a lot of you. No, but how many, seriously, to be so saturated with God. I love the stories of Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth. I'd love to say his name at least once in a sermon. Wigglesworth. Get the kids giggling. He sat in a train car, and I think it was in England. He didn't have his Bible out or anything. It just had his sexual. They said he was always dressed like a proper English gentleman. He's sitting in the train car, and these two ladies were across from him in the train car. And they finally just fell to their knees and said, Sir, you convict us of sin. The presence of God. Amen? Anybody want a greater revelation? You want a greater revelation? Hallelujah. I think the key is this. David was the man after God's own heart. Was he not? It also says in the book of Acts that David fulfilled God's purposes for his generation. Boy, I would love that written on my tombstone. Rick Bennett fulfilled God's purposes for his generation before he went to heaven. Would anybody like that written on yours? But you got to have a heart completely after God. And David, that man after God's heart, when he was a king already, he said this. When he was surrounded by his enemy, he declared, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? But then he said this. One thing. Everybody say one thing. One thing I've asked of the Lord and I shall seek. Y'all know what it is, don't you? That I may what? Dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold His beauty. Behold His glory. Amen? That's what made that man the warrior king worshiper that he was. He said, above everything else, that's got to be the priority. And beloved, it's got to be the priority for us. Because there is prophetic things in this house and vision that will never be fulfilled except through the heart of worship. Amen? And from that, we go. From that power, we are able to carry it. My wife had a word about we're not just carriers, we're couriers. We're delivering the package. Amen? We're not just carrying it around like we got the Holy Ghost in a mason jar. Oh, you want to take a peek? No, we're, we're couriers of something. Anybody with me? That's the heart. And that's what God wants.